Real Nerds listeners, here's an exciting interview from our time spent at Starfest 2013. Enjoy. Welcome to Real Nerds, continuous coverage of Starfest 2013. I'm Ryan, that's James, Brad has the earphones on, listening to our sultry voices, and we are sitting with... Patrick Sheridan. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What are you doing at Starfest, sir? I'm doing a couple of things. One, uh, I'm hosting the Emergent Filmmakers Project local filmmakers block. We're doing uh, locally produced sci-fi movies. Uh, we had a block Friday night. We have another one tomorrow, Sunday morning, from 9 to 11. All science fiction movies made by local filmmakers. And then I taught, I'm teaching two seminars. I finished one, How to Write a Sci-Fi Screenplay, uh, short or feature or web series. I gave a pretty big crowd some tips on what to do in a sci-fi screenplay. And then later tonight, I'm going to teach people how to act dead. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you give me as an aspiring sci-fi script writer to write a sci-fi script? Well, the rules are pretty simple. One, know your genre, mm-hmm. right? Is it sci-fi aliens out in space, sci-fi western, whatever? And then really know what the science part of it is. Whatever the science is, be consistent with it, right? So know what your device or gimmick was supposed to do, what it does do, what it doesn't do, and try and stay within that. Don't all of a sudden have your time machine let you do something like teleport to Washington or the next room, whatever. Uh, have whatever your science is be consistent. Uh, and then make it a story about the people that happen to be in this fantastic universe or this special device. It's always about the people. So the, advi- the example I'd like to give is War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so love it. A lot of people think that's a movie about alien invasion. It is not. It's not. It's about a father that will do anything to save his family. And if you get that, you understand science fiction writing. Yeah. Right? The aliens provide the crisis for the dad. Right? What's The Walking Dead about? Oh, about a father will do anything to save his family. Yeah. Same story. Right? So that's the main thing. Keep the motivation as if uh, regular people. Your story should work, whether it's set in the future, in the past, on an alien planet, in an underworld, whatever. Um, and then understand your science fiction element of it. So how did you get into teaching then? Um, Have you written a lot of screenplays so you understand the process? Yes, I've written a lot of screenplays. I've optioned a ton of them over the years. Uh, My first self-made feature will come out later this summer. Um, I have four projects that I'm writing for LA producers right now. Um, I've written 20, 30 shorts, uh, a lot for other people as well. So I make my living as a writer and as a screenwriting consultant. Wow, very cool. And I also teach film acting, hence the zombie instruction later today. (laughs) What does a screenwriting consultant do? Oh, uh, real simple. People will send me their script, and they'll pay me to tell them what's wrong with it. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) And so with that, do you help punch it up, or are you just basically telling them what's wrong with it? It depends on what they want. Like, they may say, hey, I'm not sure that my story is sound. Will you help me get the story structurally correct? They may send me something and say, my dialogue's not working. Can you help me fix the dialogue? They might just need story development. They might need help getting it structurally correct. They may have very specific things, or they may just want me to comment on the whole thing. So different clients, different things. Can you tell us a movie, a big movie that maybe you helped consult on and you know what you helped do and it made it into the movie and 
It was really cool. I would love to. Awesome. But I can't. Oh. Oh, You know what? This interview is over. (laughs) When when you work on a big-time budget movie um, as a consultant... Uh, they you you sign you sign more contracts than anything else as for what you can say and can't say because if the writer is somebody well known or if it's a friend of the actor they don't want it leaked out that somebody else actually helped and that's a very common practice oh yeah so basically you're they're paying you to help but not get any credit for what you did yeah, yeah. they're paying yeah, you it, for your silence right <laughs> very much so and, it's like and sometimes mob. it's really simple stuff like um I went to film school in Vancouver, and I happened to be on set when they were shooting a, a movie up there, and it had a big American star in it, and I was just on set because some friends brought me there, and they were having a lot of trouble with a particular scene, and the screenwriter wasn't there, and the friend that I knew said, hey, Patrick's a screenwriter, and they said, well, here's the scene, here's the problem we're having, what can you do? And I said, well, just don't have him say this and have that guy say that, and it fixed the problem, and they loved me, but they found out I was American, and they can't pay Americans in Canadian movies, at least for that one. Huh. So, so that kind of stuff. It's, 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 a lot of times it's very small stuff. Yeah. So, so it might be the ending. They say, we're not happy with the ending. What can we do? And sometimes it just takes a fresh pair of eyes. I've done that with my own work. I've said, I'm having trouble with this, and oh, I give yeah. it to somebody I trust, and they'll say, oh, hey, idiot, it's really simple. It's this. I'm like, oh, duh. Yeah. And so. you think it's sometimes uh, the writer is too close to the material, so they don't want to admit if there's a flaw in it, and it helps to have, like you said, someone come in and say, "Hey, you know." That's yeah, that's very common, especially in the indie film world, where um, you know somebody will write a first or second draft and say, "Hey, let's shoot this," and they don't want to hear any feedback about, "Hey, you maybe want to rewrite this, you might want to revisit this." And um, for Hollywood movies, you get a lot of feedback, and it's often not very nice. Uh, and for indie filmmakers, uh, probably the best thing you can do is take advice on the screenplay. Screenplay is the one thing the indie filmmaker can compete with with everybody. You yeah. can have a great script at any budget. And so take the time, get it right, listen to people who know what they're talking about. Whatever feedback you get, spend your time trying to incorporate those notes. Don't spend your time trying to explain why the person who gave you the notes is full of you know what yeah. right so do the work you know try yeah. and figure out oh what's he really saying this section isn't working let me see if i can take his ideas and make it better and if that's not working what's he mean there's no conflict oh, okay let's see what we can do to make it better and just really keep pushing it right don't settle for okay because okay is you can't overcome an okay script. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a writer as well. It's what I went to school for. And the thing that I always found with criticism was that you, know, you, had, to, you had to look at it through a lens of saying, like, sometimes they're going to say something that you disagree with, but maybe they've got their finger on the pulse of what's really wrong. Maybe they, maybe they can't see where the problem is, and they're saying something that to you seems superficial, but they know that that's, they're, they're catching a ripple of the actual problem. And if you can follow that back to the source, it ends up being really helpful. Um, but you've got to be open-minded about it. You do. And the most important thing for a screenwriter when it comes to taking feedback is t- remember two things. One, it's never personal. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And two, if somebody's giving you heartfelt feedback, it's because they see something positive in the work. They see that oh, this could be a movie. They see the value. They see the artistry. They see something um, and they're giving you the feedback because they want to see your story realized. 
because it's often it's really easy for other readers to see your script and go, oh, I get this movie, but this thing in your script isn't supporting that. And for too many writers, that thing that isn't working is too near and dear to them, mm -hmm. and they're just not able to sort of let go. So you can't take it personal. you got to be willing to let go. And then also, when you're getting feedback, celebrate the fact that somebody is reading your script in a very critical way and saying, I like this a lot. This is the issue I have with it that's keeping it from really being fantastic. And then don't spend all your time trying to explain to me why it's fantastic even with that in it because it either is or it isn't. It's only my opinion. I'm often wrong, but do the work, right? Yeah. Um, probably the worst thing you can do is like, well, I've already done 10 drafts. I don't want to work on it anymore. Well, <laughs> 10 draft is about the time where it starts to get interesting. Yeah, That's when the hard work is. So who's the biggest jerk in Hollywood? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can tell you the biggest jerk in town is. Yeah? Yeah, that would be me. Uh, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> right? so Brad will attest to that. Biggest jerk in yeah. town? Yeah. So uh, do, you, uh, do you like doing specific genres? Are you more, uh, what am I trying to say? Are you, do you have a specialty, I guess, in script consultant? And that's what you usually try to strive for. No, I, I really don't. Uh, my two strengths are in just story structure and dialogue. But for my own work, there's no specific genre. That may have hurt my career. One of the big mantras you hear now in Hollywood is, you know, brand yourself. Become the mm -hmm. best romantic comedy mm -hmm. writer, the best horror writer. And that doesn't really interest me. So my scripts, I, I just turned in a first draft for a... L.A. producer that's a mystical realism piece. Uh, she came to me about a year ago and said, I'd like to do a movie that is part notebook, part sixth sense, part sliding doors. It's got to be half Spanish, and it has to have butterflies in it. What? Can you do that? And I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> and shortly after that, I was approached to write a Western. So the two could not be more different. Wow. And then I'm working on a uh, an indie, very indie flick, and then a... Um, kind of a twist on a superhero genre so i just like to write what i like to write so, so far it's paid okay <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters just right? okay so <laughs> so let's touch on the emerging filmmakers how did you start that or what do you do for them exactly sure i didn't actually start it it's been at the bug theater since 2002 uh we show locally produced movies the third thursday of every month uh to date we've shown i think 900 some films some of them have been amazing. Some of them, not so much. Uh, we have Oscar winners that have shown there, people that have gone on to win Oscars. Um, and I got involved in about 2005. I started making movies because I thought that would, one, help showcase my writing, but also help me to understand how writing gets converted into the movies. You know, a screenplay is all dialogue and movies are all pictures and it's there's a disconnect there so a screenwriter should really make something to kind of learn that uh, I started submitting the movies there in 2005 2006 and I just got to know so many people in the film community that they asked me to help them find movies 2007 2008 uh, Haler Garcia who's a local filmmaker super talented guy he was hosting he started getting busy we started sharing the hosting duties and then I took it over I don't know, maybe four years ago. Um, so we're always looking for submissions. And then we have, in the last three years, created a couple in-house festivals. Uh, uh, the Colorado Independent Women of Film, which is going to be in August. Last Thursday, we held the first Denver Animated Pixel Show, which was all animated movies. We're going to do something called the Don't Blink Film Festival, which will be movies under two minutes. 
Um, so that kind of stuff is uh, uh, what we're doing over there and always looking for new stuff. The Bug is also the home to uh, Festivus is there as well, which is a national film festival. And the G.I. Joe Stop Motion Film Festival is there. So we do a lot of local film stuff down at the Bug Theater, the Emerging Filmmakers Project being kind of the anchor of it all. So is there rules to submit a film besides the obvious if it's a specific, you know, rule for it, like the don't wink one? Or can anybody turn in a film and they'll sh- you guys will show it? And Well, we won't show everything. Um, I mean, if it's really, really bad and you're a jerk, I'm not showing it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's really, really bad and you're a nice guy and you want to get better and it's not 40 minutes, I'll show it. Um, we try and put on a good show. We really encourage new filmmakers. Uh, my, my biggest piece of advice to filmmakers of all levels when you're entering in festivals is keep the movie short. Mm-hmm. Eight minutes and under is preferable. Six minutes is golden. When you submit to festivals, and I've talked to festivals all over the country with my own films, <coughs> is the first question they ask when the screening board gets it and they submit it, the programmers say, how long is it? Uh, a 22-minute, 27-minute, 30-minute film is just death to a program, and it would take up half of our content in the Emergent Filmmakers mm-hmm. Project. We like to show anywhere from five to eight movies, so keep it short. I hear a lot of times from people who say, I don't know, how can you make a, a, a good movie in six to eight minutes? And the answer is always, you can if you're talented. Right? So that's what I would say. Just tell your story, but keep it brief do you think too you said that you if you're nice and it's bad you'll show it and you think by putting someone like that in the program they see the other films that are around them and see what they have to achieve to be as good you think that helps people as well it does in almost every case that i can think of where we had a first-time filmmaker who just wasn't very good at anything but maybe one element was really good maybe he was a great cinematographer maybe he was a great storyteller but the actual look of the movie was no good but if he recognized that he was learning and trying to get better and he had a good attitude about it we encourage that we want that guy but i got a movie about five years ago that was probably the worst movie ever and the guy seriously thought it should win sundance it was unwatchable, and for about six months after he sent it to me, he literally showed it at every Emergent Filmmakers project and started every question and answer with whatever filmmaker was, was will you ask Patrick why he won't show my movie? <laughs> and I finally said, look, it looked like you had fun making your movie, but your movie's not very good, and you're not aware of that. So go make something else and send that, but he never did. So, um, huh. so yeah, we understand that nobody starts out great. We yeah. all are... We are bad filmmakers when we start. The, the key is to recognize it and to get better and, and to reach out to the community and let people help you get better. Um, just because you think Hollywood sucks at everything doesn't mean your five-minute masterpiece is going to change the way things get done. <laughs> so make a movie, move on. Make a movie, be nice, be a good guy, network, uh, support your fellow filmmakers. Uh, that's sort of the key to me. Because when you are working on no or low budget, you are relying on the kindness of strangers. You know, don't be a jerk because if you're a jerk, I'm not going to help you. If you're a nice guy, I'm still not going to help you. No, that's not (laughs) true. I'm very busy. But if you're a nice guy and I believe in you, I'll try and help. And most people in this community are that way. That's cool. Yeah. Why, why, why do you think it is that... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step all over you. Uh, Why do you think it is that Denver has such a rich... Film community. I mean, is, is it something other than the fact that there's a film school here, or is there? 
Is there something in the uh, water? The community was here before the film school. I think um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. In, in uh, you know the, the, these western states, I grew up in Virginia and worked in Washington D.C. for many years, so I have a little bit of an East Coast attitude, maybe more so than than I'd like to admit. Um, but there's a real sort of can-do attitude out here that hmm. that. Uh, if that guy can do it, why can't I? Yeah. Um, and the technology in the last 10 years has been remarkable in how much it has democratized filmmaking. There's really no barrier anymore to making a movie. Money's not a barrier because of the technology. Uh, the quality images you can capture on inexpensive cameras. There's no real barrier. The upside to that is anybody can make a movie. The downside to that is anybody can make a movie. <laughs> you know, the amount of crap that's out there is just astronomical. But the ratio of crap to good stuff has remained the same. There's just so much more content. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's, there's a real sort of can-do attitude out here. You know, people think, well, I can do that. And that's true, I think, in, you know, if you were to ask people in the small business community, why are there so many small businesses here? Well, I can do that. You know, why are there so many amazing bands here in Denver, right? Denver's music scene has exploded. Well, I can do that. Denver has this amazing stand-up comedy scene. Why is that? Well, I can do that. You know, so I don't think it's just in film. I think it's kind of across the board. And I think there's also this realization that film at the low-budget level is really an, an artistic expression. And... There's this assumption that we need permission to make movies. Mm. Uh, painters don't ask for permission. Songwriters don't ask for permission. Sculptors certainly don't ask for permission. So why would filmmakers? Now, obviously, we want to get into more commercial stuff, bigger budgets. That comes into play. But you've got to establish your credentials and your talent before yeah. you'll be considered for that, unless you're you know, the son of somebody famous. But if that's the case, you're probably in L.A. anyway. But out here... You can do it. Well, and I think part of that is exactly what you guys do because a painter can get the paint and do it himself. And he, if it's bad, he doesn't have to show it to anybody. But but the people who want to be in film, it's still a collaborative uh, thing. You know, they've they've got to go to their friend and say like, "Hey, I want to do this thing," and maybe it's not going to be good, and we're going to suffer through this thing. Um, and it, it means that you have to. You do kind of feel like you're asking for permission for your friends and and family and stuff to fail with you as you learn. Um, right. Which is why it's great that there are organizations like like you guys who are, yeah. are out there trying to help people uh, to get to get better. Um, but film is unique in that when you ask people to be in a movie, they light up. Yeah. You know, I mean the 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 number of people that you know if you go location scouting I'd like to shoot a film here really you're going to shoot a movie yeah. right if you break in there and go hey I'd like to do a painting here they're like well, what the <laughs> hell's wrong with you weirdo yeah. you know so film has a, a unique mystique and magic to it but you're right you you're going to fail when you start and that's why you run you know goes back to being a nice guy enjoy the journey treat everybody well and learn you know that there's so many elements to a film none of them are difficult Right. But there's a lot of them and you're not going to get all of them right, right out of the gate. So be OK with that. Give yourself permission to fail and then go do your best effort and make another one. Yeah. Learn, progress. Right. So too many filmmakers kind of hit a plateau. They're they're happy with their averageness. Keep getting better. Keep reaching out. Keep learning. Right. Treat people with respect when you can pay them, pay them. 
make sure you feed them, give them the footage when, you know, when you're done with it, all that kind of stuff. But um, actors, for example, didn't grow up wanting to be in commercials or doing industrials. They want to be in movies. And yeah. when you say, I'm making a movie, that carries some weight. Yeah. It's funny. That's what, when we interviewed Spencer Kane, that's what he said, that like the very first time he was, he saw himself on film, he was like, oh, thi- oh man, I, this is what I need to do now. Like, it's just infectious. Yes. Yeah. I, I know Spencer. He's a really good guy and yeah. very talented. And yeah, absolutely. Now, he hasn't had the unique pleasure of working on one of my movies yet, but he will. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know that or is that on the download? Oh, we don't have to no, tell no, him. Nothing that I say is ever on the download. <laughs> Spencer knows he needs to up his, up his game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Spencer's, Spencer's awesome. Cool. So. so you've mentioned a few things. Is there a place we can go online and see the work you've done? Uh, you can see some of my older work on paddywagonfilms.com. Um, my newer work is either in the festivals, uh, and I'm moving everything to Vimeo, so my newer work is not available. Uh, one of my new pieces is called The Barking Horse, and if you go on Vimeo or Facebook, uh, Patrick Sheridan, I'm on Facebook, you'll find uh, the movie for The Barking Horse, and it's played all over the world. And We actually took it out of festivals because we had so many people calling and asking if we could share the movie, uh, if they could share the movie with a loved one or something. Um, and it's had a really profound effect. I get people who call me still once a week, say, I saw your movie, and because of your movie, I can say, I can reach out to my father who I haven't talked to in 20 years. Or, oh, wow. Uh, I had this terrible breakup 10 years ago, and I finally have been able to forgive that other person. Uh, wow. So it's, it's been a really unique experience. Uh, and that's called The Barking Horse. I think if you Google it, you might be able to find it. But um, Vimeo would have it, my Facebook page for Patrick Sheridan. You'd find it there, too. So that's going to so. be cool as a filmmaker to know that you've touched people, and that's all you want to do with a film, right? It's really crazy because the movie was made kind of accidentally. I had a friend that did this art festival, and he said, will you please make a movie for my festival? And I finally said, if I make it, will you shut up? <laughs> and he said, yes. Yeah. So I had a, it was a, a poetry film, and I had a different poem I wanted to do, but my brother had all the family footage. So I was going to just use family footage, throw a poem on top of it, and be done with it. And, and I never got the footage. And about a month before the event, I still hadn't made anything. And this actress I know, uh, Christine McQuillan, said, well, what else do you have? And I sent her this poem called The Barking Horse, and she really liked it. And so she and I were both the cast and the crew of the whole thing. So we just ran around, shot it. And I didn't really cut it till the night before the festival. So I really had no idea what it was. Um, and then the festival got canceled due to snow. Oh. And I sent it to Christine about a week later after I had finally got everything finished, put music on it. And she said, you know, this is pretty good. And I was like, I really haven't watched it. And uh, so we sent it to some festivals. It played in Festivus a year ago. Uh, it's played in a, a bunch of festivals. And I was really surprised at how much it touched people because it was really a story about me as a uh, when I was in my 20s kind of flirting with becoming an alcoholic like my hmm. many in my family and pushing people away and hmm. kind of the cost of your own actions. And so I really didn't... I, I thought all the movie did was reflect what a royal asshole I was at one point in my life. That's what I thought. I just thought it was kind of, this doesn't look good on me. I'm not going to show it. And then people started coming up to me after screenings and saying, you know, I need to call my father. I need right, And it's really profound impact. And it's kept on. And even in ways that have nothing to do with the story, you know, just that it's touched people. And, I, and it's really amazing to get calls out of the blue from people 
struggling with something and saying that my movie helped them. And, and the other thing that's been really cool is it's inspired two poetry film festivals. And it's, it's been really crazy. It's a three-minute art film, and it's been crazy the impact it's had. So. That's so cool. That is really so that's cool. The Barking Horse. You the can find that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. now, now we have I, sh- to see I it. should have a website. <laughs> I should basically say that's the barkinghorse.com, but it's it's not. It's uh, the Facebook. That's actually there, there's a barking horse Facebook page, so maybe oh, okay. that's the way. So barkinghorse.com is probably already taken. It's probably something horrible. Probably is. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I often thought that if I opened up a bar, I would call it the Barking Horse and oh, yeah. make people read poetry on the back of the menu or something <laughs> like that. And I'm very subversive that way. So. Very cool. So can you tell us one more time before we get out of here uh, when we can see the Emerging Filmmakers That's project? the third Thursday of every month at the Bug Theater, which is in Denver. Uh, the historical, the historic Bug Theater uh, celebrating 100 years. It was wow. a Nickelodeon movie house. That's 3654 Navajo Street in central Denver, or north Denver. It's near Patsy's Italian Inn, the restaurant. So bugtheater.org. Uh, Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so Patrick. much, Patrick. You're very yeah, welcome. I just learned so much. Yeah. You've, you've, you, you've literally. Most people who spend two minutes with me do learn something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? We just brought this house down. It's, yeah. Everyone's they're, they're chasing us out at this <laughs> point. <laughs> um, thank you thank so you, much. Pat. All right, gents. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys. Yeah, thank Good you. luck. Rock on. Hey. Thank you for listening to this interview from Starfest 2013. The Real Nerds will see you next year. Thank you so much for listening to Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also stream us on Stitcher Radio. Email us, realnerds at gmail.com. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us, at real underscore nerds. Call us, 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook. This has been an Endless Visions production. Until next week, bye.